the more we can go through the shit, the more we're going to enjoy the, the greatness. If we keep avoiding the shit, the flip side of that is we're not really ever going to have the highs of the good stuff. Are you over 40? Do you feel like you're stuck? Maybe you've always had this knowing that you're meant to do more. Well, on the other side of fear is exhilaration. Your life has purpose. You were born to make an impact. Dear Midlife is about triumphing over life's adversities together and empowering women over 40 to navigate with strength and courage all of the messiness of life. Hi, I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, full-time single mother of two teenage girls, world traveler, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired little girl living in a grown woman's body that's still full of spunk, charm, and sass with a sprinkle of some black girl magic. We are both a work in progress, and together we are here to link arms with you as we make it our mission to be our best selves and share tips, tricks, and expert advice through no-holds-barred conversations for navigating the ups and downs that come with living life in the middle. Hallie Hudson started as a dating coach over five years ago with an online coaching program that helps women define love later in life. Everything she does is built upon the foundational belief that discovering yourself isn't about creating or establishing a new identity. It's really about removing the stories, beliefs, and patterns others have been using to define you. The tools that we'll discuss in this podcast are release writing, the body compass, and naming an emotion. And they'll help you to navigate the emotions that come with letting go of those old stories and personas so that you can find your true self and live authentically. You know, when we reach midlife, we've spent so much time playing the roles of mom, wife, sister, and daughter. It's easy to lose sight of our identity and value. If this is where you find yourself lately, maybe you're feeling lost. We're confident that this interview with Hallie will provide you insight as to how you can move through your emotions, let go of your old stories, and rediscover your identity. If you're enjoying the Dear Midlife podcast, please share your favorite episode with a friend and leave us a review. And now without further ado, let's welcome to our podcast, Hallie Hudson. Let us jump in and welcome to our podcast today, Hallie Hudson, who is a dating coach and digital strategist. And we're super enthusiastic to have her here today to discuss rediscovering who you are through your relationships and through divorce. So welcome to the show, Hallie. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, girls. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here because I think, well, I will not speak for Trinity. I will speak for myself. You always speak Um, for me. Why are you stopping now? (laughs) Don't stop now. Speak away. I need your help. (laughs) I need your help. We need your help, Hallie. We need your help. So, um, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love it. I love to burst into song too. Um, So tell us, what is your story, Hallie? How did you get here? Oh, dear. Um, So long story short, I, um, in the dear midlife world, I was married for 18 years and three daughters and um, about five years ago, went through a very amicable divorce, which I was thinking about it as we were, I was thinking about preparing to talk with you both. Um, Oftentimes in my divorce, people would just um, automatically think like, oh, you wanted it first, right? Or, you know, everybody that's, everybody asks that question, like who wanted it? It's like, oh my gosh. Um, It's kind of like the same question when you're, yeah, so annoying. That is pretty obtrusive. It's like none of your damn business. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, And so I felt, I feel like looking back, um, we were very amicable and I think it was just that we both, um, presented it. Like we, we both come from the mindset, like, we're just going to make this work, you know, like whatever is next. I don't know. Um, my ex-husband's journey, he's kind of still like where he was when we broke up, but, um, I have changed so much. So I would say that, um, that just going through the process of, 
kind of self-discovery, like we were talking about earlier, brought me to the point of deciding that, you know, this isn't the life, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Um, And it's, it's, it's a really interesting place to be. I remember when it hit me, I was in the grocery store, I was on vacation by myself, and I didn't have a grocery list, and I didn't even know what to buy. I was Mm. like, wait, why am I buying cheese? I don't really even like cheese. My kids (laughs) like cheese. Um, Like, Isn't that something? Yeah. That is pretty fascinating. How we just get so lost in, um, in everybody else's wants and needs. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. even the spouses or the kids and just (laughs) my sister, my, my mom, everything that they want from me. And we just don't have those boundaries on it. Mm. So um, long story short, I would say that I've, um, I live in Kansas City, I've lived here my whole life, and really just through the divorce process, I feel like it kind of fast forwarded my growth, fast forwarded my life. And I did have a very wise, um, intuitive healer say to me right at the beginning of my um, divorce process. She said, you're going through, which I think a lot of your audience, you know, not everybody's divorced, but, um, she's like, you're going through what almost every woman's going to go through when their kids eventually graduate or leave the nest. You're just kind of being pushed out of the nest earlier. And so Mm. I was really grateful for that because now I see people going through it, um, that are even still married. And I'm like, Oh, got a little bit of a head start. (laughs) Absolutely. And what is it that you see, um, as, as that head start? what are the things that are coming for those that are um, going to experience what you got a head start on? Wow. Yes. Um, really like just getting quiet, I would say as, um, and cutting out the, the noise of, of everybody else's expectations and um, really starting to listen to your own wants and needs and desires and valuing them and knowing that everything you have is enough. That's been a big mm. one. For me. And I still work on it um, daily where I, um, everything that I help my clients with, um, I'm, definitely still working. I'm a work in progress as well. I like to equate it to brushing your teeth. Like you don't ever stop brushing your teeth. Um, and so I continue that to my 20 year old, please. (laughs) I'm like, there's no, there's no (laughs) name to the teeth brushing. Um, and I do feel like that I heard a great metaphor for that too, is if you, this is something you can maybe pass on to your 20 year old is, um, the value of maybe ha- of having a coach or a consultant or a therapist or anything in your life is you can go like three days without brushing your teeth. And by like maybe day three, you don't even really know your breath smells anymore. Right. You're so close to it. So you do need that person to come in and be like, holy shit, you got to brush your teeth. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And so we all need each other. That's been a big thing too. Um, I would say the, the getting quiet and listening more to yourself, then also allowing other people to um, finding that balance where like, it's okay to need other people. And it's okay to know, like, to connect with other people. And I I kind of grew up thinking I had to do everything for myself. Um, And now I'm so much more open to collaboration, open to not knowing everything. I guess that's maybe humility coming. Humility coming um we're human our humanness well it's funny the older we get it's like the less we know and the more that we see the less we know I guess we always didn't know that much but the less we know as we get older because now we have that humility like I first of all I don't know it all second of all I at this age I don't have the energy to pretend that I know it all anymore (laughs) or to try to figure it all out I know my lane and I'm gonna stay in my lane I know, I know where I'm good and I know where I outshine everybody. I'm going to stay in that lane and just pick up the pieces or gather people around me that have the other lanes covered. Yes. And it's so much more fun. It's so much exactly, And less lonely. Um, I do have a a Facebook group. uh, It's called how to single without loneliness. And, um, 
because I think we all, we have this, like I was saying, I did that being single and I was raised by a single mom too. And, mm-hmm. um, from the, about age 10. And so kind of back to my journey, I swore up and down my entire life from age 10, I was never getting a divorce. Like, um, and so from that framework, now I can totally, you know, di- uh, dissect where I made some errors, but I, I went so for- far forward with like, I will never get a divorce. I didn't even look at like, well, develop yourself first. I was just looking straight at the partner. I don't even, I can't even really probably dissect that in, in the time that we have now, <laughs> but my mom was very much very independent, such, um, such a strong career driven woman never um found love again and really did live in a more like isolating isolated way and so when i did finally get a divorce i knew i wasn't going her story was not going to be mine but i was going to honor her story because i really am so thankful and grateful for um, the the lessons that she taught me about being, you know, a strong woman and a business owner and all of that. But I'm kind of trying to bring in new things to it as well, which that took me some while, uh, some time to get to that point too, because that was um, a lot of healing and going through all of that. But I forgot why I got on that tangent (laughs) with the um, being single without loneliness. Like it doesn't have, we don't have to. I love that it alone. And, um, so is that what led you into this dating coach side of the world and being able to take those lessons and channel them into becoming a really powerful dating coach for others? I'd love to hear about that. Yes, definitely. Because I saw so many messages out there that were like girl boss, what we like almost more like we don't need anyone but ourselves. Um, and I think for, that's, for me and my folks, that's boss bitch. I'm a boss <laughs> bitch, honey. Yeah. And I love that. But then there's also the flip side. You know, there's that, an so, underlying message. Yeah. And that masculine feminine energy, we, mm. I work on a lot with clients, even um, my like marketing, I'll call them like my marketing clients. I work with them a lot on that too, just mindset and really kind of softening both of those so they can work together in harmony. Mm. But um yeah, I'd say that's what led me to it because I felt that so many women were missing out on a, an important part of life. Like one of our um, core basic needs is connection. There is like a reason, I always say this, there is a reason that um, uh solitary confinement is like the highest form of punishment in prison systems. Oh, yeah. Kill because we're not we're not built to be alone like in a cell um put away and so it's important whether that be through friendships or family or or meeting a partner it doesn't have to be your lifelong partner unless you want yeah. it to be but just or even like the the pandemic right how many people have struggled now working from home that never had to do that. They're not in an office, they're not around people and there's the depression rates have skyrocketed as a result. I hit it. Yes, I hit it. Um, There's something called compassion fatigue. And Mm. that's really when I started to pivot my business from doing soft skills or the mental health help um, the healing to more like the business driven part, because I just hit a wall. I was used to working from home on my own, but then my kids were home and then my dad passed away from COVID. And then my mom passed away like a year later and after I think it it was like bam bam and then my ex-father-in-law passed away so my kids lost like three grandparents and oh my gosh and it was just too much I'm like and I have all these tools I was like (laughs) how are people doing this I'm like I can't even heal myself right now what are you doing out there yeah I'm like therapist can I talk to you (laughs) okay So I am, my heart breaks for people that aren't reaching out for assistance or, or just even to, to, you know, listening to people like you guys mm-hmm. and helping themselves like with support like this and just knowing that they're not alone. I would say probably early in my awareness that my marriage was not ideal <laughs> or working for me. I wasn't really nice showing way up. to say it. <laughs> it yeah, is a nice way to say it. 
we were talking earlier about how like you you're just kind of were some being somebody else in your mirror yeah. when i realized that um somebody said this quote to me and they were like everybody has issues it's just the people you don't know that well that don't have them because it's like once you get to know somebody yeah. you realize oh you're human too like you yes. struggle you struggle with that and that was really liberating for me for some reason yes. I'm completely resonating with what it is that you're saying because then I also felt like oh you can empathize with what I'm going through right now and then you have this outlet where you can have that conversation and to your point you don't have to go it alone and you feel like I, because I think that really is settling for me in terms of you feel like you've got comrades that can be there to support you and know what it is that you're going through empathetically. And that mm -hmm. makes a world of difference. But I'm also curious to know, you said you went through this period of growth. And one of the things that you did was really just get silent and mm -hmm. lean into that. And I would love to know what it was that you learned in that silence and how you've grown then from that space. Because I think that's really what a lot of us who've been through this place, who might be in the depths of this despair where you do feel isolated and you do feel alone, that there is hope. And this is where you can go with that. Yes. Um, first off, I'll say I don't sit around like home, like meditate. <laughs> and people that do, that's fantastic. That's great. I teach my clients, like you're meditating, whether you know you are or not, like, what do you love to do? So I love to, this is a strange one, but I love to edit video. And when I am editing video, um, I mean, I just do it on my final cut laptop. I do it for like social, nothing like cinematic or anything. That'd be great. But I am so in a meditative state, like, so I'll pay attention to how I feel in those moments or um, when I'm doing something that time just just goes past, um, like I don't even know an hour has passed, even it might be um, like outside walking, doing something, playing with my kids, like mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, messing around, running errands even. In my car, often I feel I'm not like taking my eye off the road or anything, but I'm allowing my brain to shut down there's like a neural pathway in my brain that is so hard uh, wired that I'm working really hard to repattern, but it's helpful too, it, that's stuck in worry. So mm. I constantly catch myself when I am stuck in worry about, which is you know always the future. And then when I get quiet, I can now kind of catch that. Like, oh, what are you doing over there? Come back. <laughs> um, so I would say in the quiet, it was it's more throughout the day, those mm. moments. And I will also say I'm an introvert. So I really do. So ton of this is getting to know who you are. Like none of this is like, be like me. This is easy. So it's more like be, find out who you are and what works for you. And then it's easy. Um, so my, I, my times of getting quiet are, I think, a little bit more natural because I'm an, an introvert. Right. I work with and have a lot of friends who are naturally extroverts and they love to go out and talk to people and connect with people. That's where I think, too, it's hard for, for people who are suddenly single to almost be hard on themselves. Like, I know I have to be happy alone or I know I have to go out to dinner by myself. And, you know, they're putting all these rules on themselves mm. about like what might not be natural for them. Um, so I love to play with that as well, because it's kind of not it's not honoring who they are um, unless, you know, there's always it's kind of a gray area. Sometimes people can use it as a distraction too, because they don't want to sit with themselves. You got to get to know the people personally. But I will say if, if there's extroverts listening that are like, not We're talking not to two of them right now. Okay. Yeah. So it's <laughs> to be quiet, right? Yeah. It's not so, easy. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that's okay, nothing's wrong with yeah. you. Um, I'm actually envious of it because I could be, I could be pretty okay by myself. I was by myself a lot growing up and I don't think it's actually that healthy. Um, and so it's like going the other way, but I do think our society really pushes this like quiet solitude that I don't think is, is 100% 
that. Well, I think yeah. what you said is there has to be a balance, right? Because yeah. a couple of things that you've said that have resonated with me. When I first got divorced, I went on a dating frenzy. Trinity has mentioned I'm an extrovert. I really am an, a true <laughs> extrovert. I even say it in our opening, extroverted to a fault. And I went on this dating frenzy because I felt like, hey, a girl's got to eat. Why eat alone? And I felt like I could connect. I felt like I could rediscover what brought me joy in those moments. But something that you said really stood out to me, and that was I used that as a distraction. So I thought I was doing the right thing. And then at some point I realized I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. I'm doing it to validate my decision to leave. I'm doing it because I feel that the external adoration is filling my bucket. But in the end, I will go out on these repetitive days over and over and over again and continue to feel empty inside. And it was in that moment, to your point, I really had to realize that, man, I just need to stop using this as a distraction and actually feel my feelings because the only way that I can move beyond this and find a space that is healthy where I'm doing these things for the right reasons is to feel my feelings. And for the extrovert, that was very hard for me because I did have to sit alone in my house, turn on the rom-com stories and ball my eyes out. But that was the only way that I could actually move through those feelings. It's beautiful so, too, and just cleansing, right? I think right. of it like a trash compactor. It's like, it needs to be emptied. And also knowing that there is science behind our our emotions. This might be something you've learned too, that the true life of, of an emotion is just like 90 seconds. And sometimes it's not even that long. So if you can just sit there for 90 seconds tops, then the emotion has passed and allow it, like honor it. Like, oh, I, I actually did that. I think it was yesterday I had something happen and it was like really sad. And I just like, I'm gonna let this come up, come out. I was like, oh, wow, I have tears on my face. I didn't even know that it was gonna hit me that hard. And then after those 90 seconds are up or less, it's the stories we start connecting mm. to them that keep us stuck. So one other thing that's really great to do is when maybe we're new at feeling our emotions is, or just like even honoring them or giving them time or wanting to do it is to schedule a time to do mm. that. I have my clients do this and mm. I still do it when, for me, it's that worry again, when I wake up in the morning and I just go straight to that worry, I'll put it in my phone. I'll put it in my calendar. When my mom, she had dementia. So her like last few months were really bad. And so I'd wake up and start worrying and there was nothing I could do at that moment. It's five in the morning. She's in Connecticut. And so I'm like, I'm going to put this on my calendar for three o'clock today. And then you make you show up for the time and you don't have to stay long, but I would sit down and I journal or free write or release write about my worries about my mom, about losing my mom, about things to take care of and all of that. But then I'm honoring like those emotions and feelings and I'm letting them go. But I'm maybe, you know, like when we're all working and something, especially new in a divorce, you start feeling the flood of emotions. Somebody asks you like, are you married? And you're just like, ah, I can't believe you just asked me that. Um, I'm going to start crying at work. Then schedule it in, like rather than stuffing it down. I mean, you're kind of putting it aside. You're still not dealing with it in that moment, but you're dealing with it by putting it on your calendar. And then you're definitely showing up um, when it's on your calendar, because then that's building trust with yourself too, that you're, you're going to take care of your emotions. I love that scheduling yes. the feelings. I think I read somewhere that Johnny Cash used to do that. He oh, used wow. to like have a list of his worries and then he'd deal with each one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, I love, all, I love all, that all of this stuff isn't new either. Yes. Right. Nothing new under the sun. That's what they say. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So one so thing that you also said that stood out to me was release writing. So I think sometimes I struggle with my emotions and I love this idea of, of scheduling time to experience those emotions. But I did a little bit of journaling 
in the early stages of my divorce. And I really felt that helped me just really organize my mindset around how I was going to actually choose intentionally to live my life moving forward. But I love this idea of release writing and I don't really know what that is. Can you help our audience understand what that is and how it's used? It's so good. It's so easy and it's so good. And so it's different than journaling. And um, I actually had one of my first clients when when I started coaching was a therapist and I was so intimidated. Like, I was like, oh, really, universe? You're going to give me this? It's like a, it had so much experience as a therapist, but she didn't really want to go to any of her peers and, and kind of admit she didn't have it all figured out when it came to her single life. And, um, and so she was like, that's the most amazing exercise. I didn't create it or anything. So she's like, I'm using this in my practice now. I'm like, go for it. So it's called a release writing. And what you do is how I do it is I set a timer and sometimes I will even set my timer for like two minutes. And there is science behind it too, where we're, I think it's kinesthetically we're, we're moving. You have to write with a pen, not typing. So you get a piece of paper and you write and you free write every single thing that comes up in your brain. So let's say somebody says something that makes you mad. And so I'm going to free write about that. Like, I cannot believe that Jill said this. She's such a bad. And you just, you don't, you don't monitor. You don't filter. You don't worry about punctuation. You don't worry if it even is a word on your paper, as long as you're still thinking and writing at the same. And usually your thinking will be going faster than your writing and that's okay, but you're still doing it. Um, and it's interesting where your mind takes you. Generally, I will say when I do it, I end up somewhere totally else in my release writing. So you're getting those, you're dumping those emotions onto the piece of paper. And then when you're finished, you tear it up and you don't read it. You don't ponder it. You don't try to figure it out. You, um, people say like the ideal thing is to burn it, but I live in a condominium building right. that I can't <laughs> fires. So I don't really do that, but, um, but it'd be really great to have a little ceremony around it if it's something really strong. And sometimes there'll be something like, let's say like you're going through divorce and you're really angry or hurt, um, you might need to do a few release writings around the same thing. Or like if it's a breakup, I know I had a client who had a really big kind of breakup after her divorce. That's pretty common too, to have that first relationship. People jump into that first relationship and then have that one end and that one be really hard to get over because it's yeah. kind of like everything catches up with you at that one. And so many times we might need to do a couple of different release writings for the same issue or condition that's going on, but it is, I still think journaling's great, but this exercise is kind of like a, a, a different twist on journaling and it's super powerful. I think if I could release write every day. I would. I just sometimes don't think of it. I have my kids do it. I'm like, go do a release writing. I, <laughs> um, I just, we'll just call it like a brain dump. And it's just really relief um, from all of the thoughts. Like we're thinking yeah, so many yeah. thoughts in our brain, like our, and so that's another thing too, with getting quiet is it's kind of like hard to just shut your brain down. Right. So for me, yeah. So it's like thinking that we're just going to be like empty headed is impossible. We're like, just let the, let the thought just pass through and watch it. And I'm like, no, if that bitch is passing through, I'm going to spend time be like, Hey, what you doing? Let's talk. I got some things invited in for dinner. Come on. What is going on, honey? Where you been? Didn't you come through yesterday? Why are you here again? You could have sent me a text before you showed up. Like there are so many things. Yeah, my personality style does not get quiet very well, nor like journaling. Like when people are like, oh, you need to journal. I'm like, thank you. I think I'd rather jump out the window right here. Like it is the most awful thought on the planet to me. The idea of journaling. You know that too. It gives me like, it brings this thing inside of me. That's like, yuck, that is not us. But I like this idea of release writing. Like just that I feel like I could do. Like I can, I could do that and then burn it. Yes. Ooh, Trinity. If you don't, if like the, if the thought is so like, you could even voice memo and get something Mm. from it. 
that might feel mm-hmm. really powerful to you to take, like, maybe make sure you're not calling somebody on accident, <laughs> but pick up like that voice memo part on our phone, the app yeah. and just haul off. And, I could do uh, that. Yeah, that would be great. I think there, it's like, almost like we chip away layers yes. and then at some point it's like, all right. I'll release, you know, it might start sounding more attractive, but if it doesn't sound attractive, you're not going to do it. And maybe it's because I write for a living basically. And so I'm like the gynecologist who's like, thank you. I would rather not see between your legs tonight. Let's have some dinner. Like I'm not doing that for free. Yeah. (laughs) I do that all day long. (laughs) Try that. Um, I think that I've had people say the same thing where they're like, oh my God, I hate writing. You get it. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I love writing. Just the idea of doing it but for your release. Yes, it seems like I could try yeah. the release writing, but I definitely could also try this uh, recording. Yeah. That's awesome. I love like working things from different angles and just seeing what sticks. It, again, mm-hmm. it goes to that point where it's not like one size fits all. There is a really good book that I didn't I got so much out of, but it wasn't what I expected to get out of. And it's by Gretchen Rubin, who did the happiness project, Mm -hmm. but she wrote a book and it's called better than before. And it's about making and breaking habits. And her whole book is based on getting to know who you are. So it's not like if you don't get up at 5am, your life is always going to be shit. It's like, are you a lark or are you a night owl? Let's figure out what you are and then work with that. And I like, so that's one of the things she has is your, there's four tendencies. I have every client, whether it be a dating client, marketing client, whatever I'm working with, friend, children, anything, I have them find out their tendency. So I recommend that for anybody listening, find out your tendency because it's the way we meet inner and outer expectations. So I am a rebel, which means if, but I'm a little bit of an obliger. So that pulls it in, but a rebel is like the minute somebody asks you to do something, you're like, I'm not doing that. And so I'll have a lot of clients and I'm like, okay, time for our four tendency quiz. Cause I can start to sense what people are. Right. And I'm like, this, this woman's a rebel. And the minute I ask her to do something, she's going to resist. So I can work with that. So that's a good one too. It's just like, so getting to know ourselves and all of the things like there we're talking about are in my mind, my like way of seeing it are getting quiet. Maybe that quiet word needs to be switched to something else. Aware. Just getting in touch, connected. I like in touch. I like connect. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than quiet, like maybe we don't want to be quiet. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so the four tendency quiz, is that through the better than before book or or somewhere else? It's online. It's through better than before. If you Google the four tendencies or you, it comes up like the free quiz. Great. Super quick. Most people can even kind of look at the tendencies and call theirs out, but I do recommend doing it because sometimes we don't know. We think we know ourselves and we're a little surprised. We're like, oh, (laughs) that's what I am. Because I sort of thought I was more of an obliger. An obliger will meet other people's expectations before they meet their own. Right. Um, Most people are obligers. Right. Um, And now I'm trying to think of the other two that, that they're, I can't think of all four of them right now, but it's really interesting. Yeah. I love that. Insightful. I think that, yeah, I like that too, more rather than quiet, more mm-hmm. connect or just mm-hmm. become. Yeah. Aware. There's just, I think you said it earlier, if you have something that you're really passionate about, you talked about editing your video. I love to garden. And so I can just get down into the dirt and it's something satisfying to me about pulling out those weeds and getting the whole root. I don't know what it is, but that's where I'm kind of in my zone too. So, so it doesn't necessarily have to be about getting quiet is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. And remember this too, Shelby, I think with, with that, there's so much, like, I call it like leaving money on the table. Um, really genius. Like we've never heard that before, but so much when we leave money on the table. So when you are gardening, even like calling out to yourself, like, I just, I'm, I'm in, I'm meditating. I'm really connecting with who I am, like my soul essence right now. Just Mm -hmm. reminding yourself of that to kind of, it's almost like giving credit. Like we're not giving ourselves credit enough. Like, does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Not enough, not doing enough, not trying hard enough, not. So it's like, we're letting all these 
things that we are doing pass by. And we know that, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. So the more we can call out those times, like when you are gardening and you're like, I'm the shit. Yeah. (laughs) When you're pulling those weeds, what are you, what are you you unrooting? out of your life life? when you're planting new plants. So like you and I would be perfect in the garden because I'm like, fuck weeding, but I want to plant the shit out of stuff so I can plant all the things and you can come and pull all the weeds (laughs) and we would have the most beautiful garden in the whole wide world. So what am I planting when I'm planting? Yes. Would that be perfect? And what are you, what are you unrooting from your soul every time and visualizing that and speaking that forward in those moments. Oh, I love that being, yeah. that's so powerful. Like getting that out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So speaking of unrooting things from your soul, I am curious to know what you found. Like, what did you unroot? What did you uncover? Um, mm-hmm. As you exited this relationship, again, we've talked about how it's so easy to lose yourself. How do you refine yourself? Yeah. You <laughs> know, that's a word. Right. Um, my biggest, well, gosh, I'd say the number one thing was, and I don't say this like with any pining for my my past relationship. It is completely good where it is now. We are finished and good co-parents and everything. But my biggest thing was that so much of my frustration with my relationship with him was with, with myself. Um, once I started taking ownership of my own life and not using like the marriage or him as an excuse for holding me back, everything changed. I was just mm-hmm. like, cause I was, a, so I don't even think I wrapped this part up, but I was a stay at home mom for probably, I think it's 13 years. I did, um, some work, you know, volunteer work, the typical things like that. But, um, that really was by, I mean, it was a mutual agreement, but there was a lot of, um, my identity lost in all of that, that, um, that I was resentful for that. I just hadn't taken ownership for. So I think the biggest thing was that I was just so, um, letting external things define me so much more than I needed to. Um, and it just was, it was just, nonsense. (laughs) Um, and the not enoughness, like really always how I I, like uncovering how much I had bought into the fact that it was normal for people to be like disappointed in me. And then too, talking about like sacking on dating or new relationships, I would meet people who were like, big fans of mine. And I'd be like, Oh, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you cutting me down? Like, why aren't you criticizing me? Why aren't you telling me what's wrong with me? Cause that's what I had started to think was normal. Cause I was believing it. And then once I uncovered, Oh gosh, like I can kind of rewire all this. Um, then it started feeling more normal. It's still a journey, I guess, to be with people who support me and being me. Like we were talking about being, being us like unleashed, like, just like, here's who I am. Um, no apologies. And, um, so I think that would be the biggest thing is just kind of ownership of who I am. There's a great book called extreme ownership. I think he was like a Navy seal or something. That book was really eye opening for me. Just knowing like, this is, this is life. (laughs) Like, we're not getting a second chance. And um, here's what I'm here to do. So So you also mentioned something about the body compass. And so I'm wondering if that is a tool that helps to redefine, you know, where you're going or tell us a little bit about that tool and how you've used it in the past. Yes, I use it all the time. And so when I trained to be a life coach, Several years ago, I went through training with Martha Beck, who is, um, she writes columns in the Oprah magazine. She's an amazing coach and trainer. And so she calls, so she teaches it, calling it the body compass. I'm sure it's everywhere called different things. I've heard it called like warmer, hot, um, or warmer, colder. So it's more just getting quiet again. And it doesn't have to take long. You can just really close your eyes and think back on something that is a really happy memory 
and getting really in touch with what that feels like in your body. Like um, oftentimes though, people will have a harder time knowing what their body feels like um, in the happy moments than they will in the sad. So it might be smart, smarter, easier to start with the sad or the frustrating or the pissed off moments because we might mm-hmm. be more familiar with what we feel like in those moments. It's like your throat might get really tight or you might clench your jaws or you furrow your brows or like my big one is like your, your shoulders go up or your stomach starts feeling tight or sick. Um, just getting, becoming aware of what those cues are because our, our body's going to tell us, well, our brain tells us too, but our body will tell us quicker than our brain. Sometimes we're fooling ourselves. Like this isn't that bad. Probably like we were talking about, like in our marriage is like, this is fine. This is what it's supposed to be like. This is what I signed up for. You know, this is what everybody expects of me. And so, but in the meantime, our body is like crying out saying no. And then it can even manifest into like digestion, digestive problems, um, heart. I was having towards the end of my marriage, really gosh, probably for maybe more than five years, heart palpitations where my heart would just start racing. And um, now looking back, I'm like, whoa, my poor body, our bodies are genius. So like there's the, the old adages, like our, the gut feeling has a lot of truth to it, or the heart wants what it wants. Like there's little brains in there that I think somebody said, like, I think this is from Martha Beck, the size of a cat's brain. So they're, and they're, they're not tainted by beliefs or thoughts or stories that our, you know, parents told us about who we are. Mm. They're pretty pure brains in our guts, in our heart. So the body compass is helping you listen to your body and it can be even like temperature changes. So just getting familiar with what your body's doing. I used to live like pretty much like my throat up, like just in my head, like my body was just something I looked at in the mirror and hated. (laughs) Now I'm still probably working on my body issues. but I at least respect my body so much for the work that it's doing. So, um, and I would say that's a, a constant, just checking in. I'll even have people put a timer on their phone for like three times a day where it's just, let's say it's like at 10 o'clock, two o'clock and seven o'clock. And it will just say, what do you, what do you feel in your body right now? I always think of like the airport scanner and then what's happening. Like say it catches you and you're at a bar with your friends and you're really having fun or a concert or something. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's good. I feel really happy. So just checking in and kind of making note of it. It's not like right or wrong. It's just becoming aware of it and not trying to change it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah big one. No, I just listened to a whole podcast. I think it was a few days ago that talked exclusively about how this woman had serious back pain and she had all this, all these body issues, fibromyalgia, and she discovered and uncovered that it was really all just related to kind of the mental traumas and things that she hadn't fully processed through her body. And that once she was able to release those traumas, that all of her physical ailments went away, which I find so so fascinating. So amazing. And I know I have to be really careful with that. Some with a lot of people in my like close life, because it sort of pisses them off when I say it. And so I try to like say it in the right way. Cause I'm like, not saying you're making this up. I'm not saying you're causing it. Um, but I'm just saying like, entertain the idea that if you would maybe look at it this way too, then it would help. Um, that's another one too, where I found, cause I was the first I heard of it. It was actually a guy that I was dating who brought that to my attention. Mm. There's a book by like Louise Hay, I think. And it's about like our body and different ailments. It's like if your left knee hurts, it is an indicator of something like moving Fascinating. Forward. Yeah. So he told me that cause I was having lower back pain and he's like, let's look it up. And he looked it up. He's like, that means that you're you're worried about your home life, like family, like your home isn't settled or something like that. And there was some, like, my daughter was going to college. My oldest daughter was leaving for college. And even just him and I having that conversation about it 
my back started feeling better. I didn't go to a chiropractor. I didn't, you know, I was like, whoa. So it's kind of, again, like leaving, like labeling it and identifying it. It's like, it's, I also think it's like our kids when they're little and throwing a tantrum, it's like, they just want to be heard. And then they're like, they shut up and go do something else. Right. (laughs) Okay. I just, it just was calling out, like, look at me. Like, okay. It's fascinating. And I think that we can, we kind of like can help ourselves. I know that we can, but I feel like I don't want to diminish like people who are suffering with disease and things like that, but we really can help ourselves a lot by doing things like the, the release writing or um, giving ourselves credit when we're in the garden. And I mean, there's so simple, but not always easy to remember. It is kind of like constantly being aware of doing this for ourselves. It's a whole new world. I think um, that I'm so glad to know about, but I do think that just like personal development, everything, um, I do think it's, it's evolving too. Like there's so much new like science behind it all to where I always think too, back to my mom always tried to go. She went to a psychiatrist after her divorce in the eighties. They just didn't know all of this back then. And so I'm so grateful. I'm sure it's just going to get even better. We have so much more access nowadays. I mean, you can find anything you need to find, but I think it's really helpful. Um, you know, professionals like you and podcasts, like we have, where we can take that information, we can collate it together so that you can follow a path, follow a path of how to get there. Here's where you are right now. Let's talk about where you want to be. And let's talk about a path of things that you can do in order to bring yourself into that space versus having to figure all of that out on your own. Oh yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, um, I think just saving people the time yes. because there's always like, I was just traveling and I walked by like a, um, airport bookstore. And I remember the days where I would just like, think it's the answers in a book that you like <laughs> just trying, trying so hard so like, oh, it's going to be that book that's going to be Encyclopedia solve. Britannica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an, it's a, yeah, it's, there's so much information. So but I like it that. sounds like you found like the answer is not in a book that it's inside yourself. And you shared so many great tools with us today about how to get quiet and giving and honoring the way in which you choose to get quiet, whether it's gardening or planting or weeding. Yes. Or even just editing video that those are all moments where you're reconnecting with who you are and with yourself. And I love the idea of the body compass and really checking in with your body and embracing really the feelings it's like that old book when we we used to read kids can't go over it can't go can't under, under it, it. You, go go through it. Yeah. you have to go through oh, those feelings why did i say you better go around it i'm, still, I'm, still, I'm not going through it i'm around it. that girl but you do have to go through it you have to feel your emotions to come out stronger on the other side and i love the idea of the release writings i feel like that's such a valuable tool. And I love that you use it with your kids too. So I yes. definitely have two teenage daughters that have a lot of angst right now. <laughs> so oh yeah. It's we'll definitely it's- be trying the release, right? Um, a lot of breakups and everything. I will say really quick, um, knowing like you get to go through it because this was always the, like, I have to have a benefit here. So the more we can go through the shit, the more we're going to enjoy the the greatness. If we keep avoiding the shit, the flip side of that is we're not really ever going to have the highs of the good stuff. Like yes. that's like where we just get numb, yes. you know? And that I lived numb for quite some time to where I'm like, like I wasn't even like enjoying the good stuff. Yeah. Like it, right. And so like knowing that the through it gets easier and quicker and yes. we don't have yes. to like, doesn't have to be as dark. I love that. I always say, how can you appreciate the beauty of a blue sky if you've never journeyed through the thunderstorm? It's beautiful. You just can't. Absolutely. So true, right? Yeah. So true. Yeah, and we yes. just try to avoid the gray and um, yeah. yeah. But it's there's power. There's power there in finding that space to be quiet. So that's right. And 
speaking of finding things, where can we find you, Hallie? I know that oh. you've got a lot to offer, not only in your, I know that you've been a dating coach, but that you're also doing digital media communications consulting. So tell us how we find you. Yes, absolutely. So I have a website that's halliehudson.com. And then also if anybody is interested in, um, and that's where I handle more of my business marketing, coaching, social coach, social marketing. And um, I mean, that involves a lot of coaching too, <laughs> mindset and things yeah. like that. But then on Facebook, that um, group I have is how to single without loneliness. And, um, that's a great group of women that were all real supportive. I just kind of offer, I'll do Facebook lives in there. And, um, I do actually have a, um, a program where I help women one-on-one, but it's more of a, it's a, a commitment of 12 weeks. And, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit more intense for people who are really ready to, to make big change in their life. And I don't take on a lot of clients in that realm, but if anybody really wants to, you know, kind of, like you said, fast track it, they just tired of uh, DIYing it, then that's amazing too. But all of that can be found in the Facebook group. So wonderful. I love everyone to join. Super fun. Absolutely. We we love it. We love that you have these resources available and you've added so much, I know, to our conversation today. And I look forward to just continuing conversations with you in the future, Hallie. Thank you. Well, thank you for the conversation today, Hallie. We've enjoyed having you. Thank you. Thank you both. All right. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much to our guest today, Hallie Hudson. She shared with us some very valuable tips as to how to shed those old stories, move through your emotions, and find your own identity. What she shared with us today was, number one, find your own way to meditate. What activity or experience allows you to fully be within your own self and focus? Number two, leverage what's innate and honor who you are. Don't let your introversion or extroversion become your excuse. Three, you have to feel your feelings. You really only feel your emotions in your body briefly for about 90 seconds, but it's the stories we tell ourselves that cause us to stay in this emotional state. Four, if necessary, defer feeling your emotions until a specific time. Then honor the emotion, journal or write about it, and allow it to come up for you and pass at that time. And five, going through your emotions gets easier over time, but you know, you have to do it in order to appreciate the happy moments. Please check out our show notes for all the books and assessments that Hallie has recommended. And thank you so much to her for wonderful wisdom and insights.